Hey friends, welcome back to the Invigorate Podcast. We're so thankful to have each one of you with us in our whole autoimmune community. It really takes a lot of effort, intention, and thoughtfulness to live well with these autoimmune diseases. An important part of that is stress. How do we reduce it? How do we manage it? And ideally prevent it going forward. And we're going to get real about what that looks like when you're dealing with autoimmune disease symptoms um, and other challenges. But before we get into that, let me introduce myself. I'm Karen Wagner, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Chris Burton, D. Mattis Chris. Always great, always great to be here with you, Karen, and, and to talk about something as important as this. Because uh, especially thinking about what when recording it right now, the beginning of the holiday season or in the middle of the holiday season. and while it's a nice time, it also we know that the holidays can be one of the most uh, lonely times of the year, and also one of the st- most stressful times of the year. So I think you know this conversation is right on time, and hopefully it'll be able to help real people uh, with with the situations that are going on, how they can reduce and even manage their stress. During the holiday times, you already have your busy life running, trying to manage just day to day, and then you stack yeah. on. A- the extracurriculars that come along with the holidays, cooking, mm-hmm. shopping, all that. I mean, it's fun and it's wonderful, but it's Absolutely. a lot of what we're already doing. No question. And if, if anyone's like me, I've just decided to kind of turn off the car on the road, just like idled all the way through. Because I said 2023, no, no, no. We're looking at 2024. If you got a new idea, catch me in January. Because right now we are closed for business. <laughs> That's how I'm managing my stress right now. Not not recommending that for everyone. We can't all do that. I'm just telling you what I'm doing right now. I'm like, we're done. <laughs> I love that. But what does that mean? What are you turning off? So, for example, you know, I, uh, uh, as you know, um, do um, a, a couple other podcasts. So I'm using my last, uh, I used to usually record on Sunday. So my last recording Sunday for the year is going to be uh, the 17th, like after that. I'm not recording anything else that way to give myself that like two week window at least, um, maybe even three weeks, depending on what that first uh, Sunday in January is to just allow myself to really gather, reflect, be present during the holidays. Um, and, and just even with, uh, you know, my, my, my full time work, looking at, you know, some of the ideas that I have or whatever loose ends are there and saying, Let's talk about this in January. Like, you know, I've been scheduling, taking the, uh, I have two more weeks before our semester ends, and I've just been taking this time to schedule meetings for January, right? To just say, we'll meet. And, and even with that, a pro tip is I don't really like to get into it with with uh, work until after MLK Day. I don't think people are still present <laughs> until after MLK Day. So catch me after the 15th of, of, of January, just to really get into good habits of rest um and we'll talk about this uh, uh some more but I, I really think that too often we have in our western culture allowed stress to almost be like a badge of honor like i i remember and i was talking about this with a, a classmate of mine when i was an undergrad the college i went to had the culture of if i saw you and said hey karen how are you you'd say let me tell you 
I've got two essays due. I've got a lab report I have to turn in. I'm president of four different clubs, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, you think that's bad? Well, I'm volunteering at six orphanages and three nonprofits and two animal shelters. And we were just trying to outdo each other with how, like, stressed and overwhelmed we were. It's a very, very, you know, unproductive um, or rather overproductive culture. Um, and I don't think that we were ultimately dealing with stress well. It just became a badge of honor to like live with your foot firmly on the gas all the time and only stopping when your body couldn't go any further. And that's just not a great way to go. And I don't know, maybe it was COVID that it was the turning point, but I really feel like our culture has gained an awareness and there is more mindfulness about Mm -hmm. Why are we overscheduling ourselves like this and running ourselves ragged? It's just not mm-hmm. sustainable. No, no. But even even with COVID, do you remember how with remote work, because we realized that we didn't have to account for like travel time, mm-hmm. people were stacking like seven meetings in like two hours. It's like back to back to back to back to back. It's like, okay, I have a meeting with you at one o'clock and then another meeting at one twenty. This is not realistic, you know, thinking about, a good rule of thumb. This is not my original rule, but thinking about what it means to put 15 minutes before a meeting and 15 minutes after. So at the very least, you can reflect at the end of a meeting and prepare at the beginning of a meeting. Little things that sneakily give you 30 minutes of buffer space, but also just time to, you know, remember that you're not a machine, that you need to break. Maybe you have to go get some water, use the restroom, do anything else, but you can't just run through the work like that. Yeah. When I I used to be guilty of that, like back to back meetings all day, and right. I'd be like, Me too. I don't I don't have time to add a buffer before and after. Most ignorant thing you can say. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about priorities, right? I don't right. need to have eight ten meetings in one day. I can have four or five that are the most important, and right. it'll be much more effective at them and productive because I'll actually be sane and present when I'm in there. <laughs> oh, good. good. And Matt, what a novel thought, right? Just having your full, <laughs> not coming in there raggedy on E, but just, you know, oh, I'm actually available and my best self for you and present during this meeting. It's, 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 this is a suggestion for everyone, you know? <laughs> You bring up a good point, or it leads into priorities. Mm-hmm. And because we can always say we can fill our schedules as busy as we want to, and that's just going to contribute to our stress. Right. But if we are intentional about how we spend our time and we start with the most important things and go down from there, it's amazing how your whole mindset can shift. Oh my goodness. And and it's such an important shift. Just something as simple as, you know, making sure that you're getting enough rest that can lend itself to helping to um, combat the stress. Like just taking the time to have a morning routine. You know, I, I think about when I was living in New York City, and I was sharing this with a friend who um, was asking what it was like, saying that from the minute you're, you you put your foot out of the bed and onto the, 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 the carpet or the cold hardwood, whatever kind of floor situation you had in your home, you were running. And just thinking about what it does to a person to live with that much like 
cortisol pumping through your veins all the time. Did I take the garbage out? Did I, am I going to catch a train? Did I get my coffee? Running, running, running. Just allow yourself to have a morning ritual and slow down. So for me, this is not everyone's going to want to do this, but I really like waking up extra early before I have to do something. So I can just kind of roam around like a like a bear or something, you know, and just allow myself to just say, oh, hmm, I guess it's time for me to get ready for the day. Allow yourself to ease into the day rather than just like flying out of a cannon into a day. And to start, because for people who are like, I, I'm not going to get up a half hour, 45 minutes so I can roam around the house. But just there are small things to even start. Where I started was, well, one, stop checking my phone first thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then two, instead of doing that, I'll put on like a meditation podcast, a morning yeah, yeah, yeah. meditation. Right, right. But I, I'm not even sitting up engaged. I'll just plug in my buds and listen to it while I'm waking up. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not whatever you want to. I'm not all into it, but it's still a way to wake me up without exposing me to all the noise instantly that's out there. I get that. One interesting, so I started doing that because I was reading about just stress management and what I can do to get ahead of this, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can cut out all this stuff, obvious, but what else can I do? And by not looking at your phone first thing, it allows your brain to essentially wake up and level set for the day. So 80% of us look at our phones first thing in the morning. And yeah, when you start scrolling through news feeds or Mm -hmm. uh, or Instagram, Instagram, you get a rush of like dopamine, the reward system. Then throughout the rest of the the day, your brain can't regulate itself. So you have more time or you have more trouble prioritizing and focusing. So just even those few minutes of looking at your phone can disrupt your productivity and increase your stress throughout the day. So it's like if Mm -hmm. you do nothing else, just do that and you're going to be set up better for the day. Seriously, I, I I would even I love that, and and I would even go so far to share one of the uh, tips that I, I do I, I learned and try to implement in my life is I use my phone as an alarm, but I set it on the opposite side of the room, so that way I'm not like I, I to wake up I have to get up and walk across the room, which helps to wake me up. Even though some days. I can be really trifling, Karen. I might just pick, get up, pick up the phone, and go back to bed. Sometimes early me is terrible, but but, <laughs> but um, also I think it helps. To your point, you avoid the like scrolling in the middle of the night thing, or like looking at your phone before bed. Because I can imagine with the whole um, trying to regulate your your brain. I saw. I don't know if this is actual science. This is like Instagram science, but it was saying that. Uh, it's like trying to like stop your brain when it's going 70 miles per hour. If you're like scrolling, scrolling, scrolling at night and then you're like, oh, I'm going to go to bed, but your brain's still like, oh, like what's going on? All these different uh, you know, pieces of information. It's hard to really wind down and end the day well. If you're not ending the day well, it's going to ha- be hard for you to start the day well, you know. That's a really interesting. I mean, it makes total sense. You see literally content whizzing by. Yeah. And then to try and be like, okay, I'm going to go to bed now. Like that, some people can do it. I cannot do that. Yeah, good luck. 
Or if you don't want to put the phone on the other side of the room, just in airplane mode too. Right, right. That's a good point. Turn it off. Mm-hmm. But because you, last podcast, you said you used to be the person who would wake up and the first thing they would do is grab their laptop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, that, and it was one of those, like, uh, I think this is rock bottom for, for me in terms of, like, what I realized that I wasn't prioritizing well. That, that may sound like dramatic language to some of our listeners, but in the sense of, I really believe, like at, at the core of my being, Karen, that you have to start things well in order for them to end well, right? Like I really, even in, like in sports, you gotta have a good first quarter, first inning, first period, whatever it is. Like I really believe in that. And so the days where I was starting my day, reaching for my, not even like my, like, own laptop i'm talking about like my like job laptop i was going for like the like you know the giant bulky like corporate laptop and when i realized i was doing that i was like wow i have started my day with with the with uh my work but i haven't really gotten to like you know what's core and most important to me like the occupation what i do for a living is important but it's only a part of what i believe is my vocation like my calling my reason for being it's just a department in that but it's not the whole thing and i realized with that that it was just allowing me to i think this is really important for those of us who um who work from home it was allowing me not to really work from home but to live at work and that's what i was doing to myself um and it just was such a a a really unhealthy balance because i you know we're never going to be there you can work at a place for 40 years the day you retire, there's still something to be done. Like the place isn't closing. So you have to have a healthy rhythm that says I can step away and I can come back to it. Because I think with us talking about this in terms of just like our morning routine, I think if we get this right, it lends itself to being sure that you take vacations and being sure that you're present for, you know, your family and your friends and all these other areas that will help you to reduce stress overall which especially for those of us in the autoimmune community is critical. We have to keep stress, you know, as as far away as possible. I mean, it's always going to be a little bit of stress, but try to keep it as far away from being, you know, fully at the table of your life as you can. Yeah. And I think the, the morning routine can look very different for people, but the most important point is that you have that. And to go back to your sports analogy, the most professional athletes aren't just waking up and jumping into the game. They got a full day pregame rituals that they are following and going through to ensure that when it's game time, it's optimal performance. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same with our days. If you give yourself that pregame performance time, you're going to mm-hmm. set yourself up just exactly. for a better day throughout. No question. No question. Yeah. And, and it's really, you know, I understand um, as I'm wearing like a, a Yankee t-shirt, like a baseball t-shirt, I understand that everyone likes sports and that's okay. You don't have to. Yeah. But I do think that we all can glean a sense of discipline from the way that athletes have to carry themselves. I yeah. think translating that to like the different uh, things that we do um, in, in our life can be very helpful. So really understanding, you know, being disciplined about your sleep, being disciplined about like, you know, if your job is the kind of job that says you can take 15 minutes to just like, you know, walk around the block if you need to, 
take those 15 minutes. They're yours, you know, and just really think, take your lunch break. Don't work with your lunch. Don't eat the salad while you're responding to an email. Just close the laptop, eat your salad, or or even if you can, leave your office and go eat. Just the little things that can help our body go, oh, because otherwise, you know, this is also very unscientific, but we're just kind of like this the whole time. And we never let ourselves, we never ease off the gas. We never, we never allow ourselves to slow down. And that's, that's not helpful at all. I love that you bring up that we're literally like this. When I started getting more into mindfulness, meditation, yoga, all of it. Right. I, I did not realize how often I was just like this. And just, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, chill out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Break bricks on your shoulder. Just the tension was just—it's <laughs> so real. Yeah, you know. And with the autoimmune community, it's well, it, it's a two kind of double-edged sword. You have mm-hmm. just the added stress of trying to manage symptoms on top of everyday life. And then there can also be the stress of just the uncertainty of it all. Yeah. When it, especially if you, if you're not as aware or haven't been on your journey as long and you're still learning about your body and interactions, Mm -hmm. it can feel like, waiting for a pin to drop like when Mm -hmm. when is the next flare gonna happen how bad is it gonna be and I know early on in my journey I definitely tended to spin and get ahead of myself especially after some of those very um the life-threatening issues Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think that's something that we we have to talk about because there's just a there could be such an anxiousness around just the disease itself, not even managing it. Of course, yeah. I, I think about just the almost the cruel irony, you know, just localizing to my experience with lupus, where I remember in that first year, uh, when I was trying to understand it, it, it and get a good sense of it all, saying to my rheumatologist, like, okay, you're telling me that this disease is triggered by stress and that the key is to not be stressed, but everything about this is stressful right now. Like, like how do, <laughs> like, there's nothing about this. There's nothing about this that's just like chill. You know, like there's nothing about it that's calming me at all. Everything is tense. Even like I think about, you know, they talk about, what is it? Uh, like, what's it called? White coat syndrome where like you're in the uh, doctor's office and your blood pressure is high. Um, and I remember like getting my blood pressure read and the nurse or, or whoever was saying like, why, why is it so high, Mr. Burton? I was like, this is stressful. Like all of this, like, how am I supposed to be cool? Like you need some eucalyptus in here or something, or something that's going to like make me just chill out as soon as I walk in. The whole thing is tense, you know? Yeah. I've gone through my journey and I, cause it's hard to be like, you know, meditate, cut out your, all of this stuff. Mm. But when, when it's just about the disease itself, it, it's, more difficult to apply those tactical tools. Mm-hmm. However, I think it goes back to when we are talking about mindfulness and hope is staying present in the moment and focusing mm-hmm. on what we have now. Because when mm-hmm. you're focused on, if you're looking behind and sad, then you're depressed. But if you're looking forward and 
worrying, you're anxious, but when you're in the mm-hmm. moment, you're just there. And I think, as you said, making sure that you carve out that time before and after meetings or whatever you have throughout the day, that can Mm. give you that space to make sure that, or just remind yourself that you are in the present moment and you're here and we don't need to worry because no matter how much we worry, it's not going to affect the outcome. It sure does not. It sure does not. And it's funny because... Sometimes, and we've all been there, so it's not even from a position of criticism, really. We all know that worrying doesn't change, as you said, Karen, the outcome. You know, like you can you can get a bad lab report. You can um, have symptoms that are showing up, you know, like it could be physically, like, you're, 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 you know, your body's in pain, your hair's falling out, whatever's happening uh, to you, joint pain. Us worrying doesn't change those things. And yet it feels sometimes, and I think it's something we have to almost like guard ourselves against, is like, let's not allow worrying to feel like we're doing something, right? Like it can seem as if me saying, oh, I don't know, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? It's like me somehow like trying to control it or, or be proactive. But it's a difference. And I think the difference is being solution-minded. Right. So if you're saying, ow, my elbow hurts and I've never felt this pain before or my elbow hurts and my elbow hurting is usually a precursor to a flare or something. Rather than saying, like, oh, my God, what am I going to do about it? You have to be solution minded in the sense of are you going to make a, a doctor's appointment right now? What has helped you before in terms of like alleviating the symptoms? Is it like, oh, my elbow usually flares and I've had too much bread or my elbow usually flares and I've had too much soda or too much dairy, whatever it is. Like understanding that instead of being like worrisome, we have to be solution minded. And that can be really hard in the moment. It's almost like, Karen, it's almost like telling someone to calm down while they're yelling at you, right? (laughs) But if we can remember these principles, they will serve us well in the long term. Because I promise you, the times where, uh, you know, it seemed to be all over for me. The last thing that helped was worrying. Worrying didn't help at all. You know? So uh, hopelessness comes from a lack of options. And yeah. the sadness is feeling like a victim and you don't have control or any options. You're stuck. And to your point about knowing or leaning into and reflecting on what's happening and trying to figure out what's happening and focusing on being solution oriented, giving yourself that sense of agency, especially for me, that's what helped me turn the corner as far as like, oh, I actually do have control over the situation. And yeah, it's not, you can't cure it with holistic lifestyle, whatever you may believe. But mm-hmm. the fact that you can influence it and um have a great impact on how you feel on a day-to-day basis, like there's yeah. an empowerment there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and just allowing yourself to, to I love the word that you use empowerment. Because I think if we a lot of this is really like a mindset thing, and I don't say it to sort of uh, to try to detract away from the very real problems that we all have, but it's really you'd be amazed at how just seeing it through a different lens can allow you a bit more agency rather than just a sense of feeling stuck or feeling that hopelessness that you're describing. Um, and 
it's I really think it kind of goes back to our, our our prior conversation that a lot of this really does go down to habits. That sometimes um, when we talk about habits, we think it's only in things that we do. Like my habit is every morning I wake up and I walk the dog or I go for a jog. No, that's a different kind of habit. The, there's another kind of habit we form with like the way that we react to things, right? So if every time my, my cup spills, I just scream out, right? I'm forming a habit there, right? So the next time the cup spills, no matter where I am, I'm going to react the same way. What does it look like for us in the autoimmune community to build up the habit of saying, okay, I'm noticing what's going on, but I've built up the habit of logging my food in a journal every time. I've built up the habit of uh, staying on top of my medicines or being able to, or, or build up the habit of reaching out to the doctor when I need a refill. Like there's all these different habits that we can build up so we can be proactive because it's really, the temptation is really high when we're in the midst of these um, uh, health crises to feel like we have no agency, but we still have some agency. We're not completely, to your point, hopeless. How do we make sure that our habits reflect our hopefulness and our habits re reflect our sense of uh, agency that we have in these situations. That, to me, is another aspect of this, you know? Yeah, and you speak about habits, and it's really the whole lifestyle. The habits are pieces of it, right? Mm -hmm. But how you live your daily life. I did read a stat that 60% of our behaviors are habitual. So yeah. we just do it without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it really takes intention and mindfulness to kind of pause throughout the day and it's like why am I spazzing when I spilt my coffee like what right. you know but yeah. just taking taking that just split couple seconds to notice that you're spazzing over right. something very minuscule oh yeah 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 that's really I think the gateway to starting to understand yourself and mm -hmm. then because once you know, once you identify something that you want to improve, like I don't want to spat this when I spill my coffee, okay? Like what right. what is the root cause of that? Because something else is happening underneath that is causing me to spat. Oh, yeah. And when you can get in tune with that, that's a game changer. Oh, truly, truly. And, and I think oftentimes the thing underneath it for us is the stress about having another flare or the stress about you know, oh, oh, what's going on um, with, you know, this particular uh, issue, is it going to become a flare? And if we really are paying attention and are like fully uh, present with ourselves, it will allow us to pay enough attention to our body so we know oh, I'm not just spazzing out or, or, or getting upset about this coffee. I'm getting upset because of what's going on underneath the surface. Right? So I have a, a sense of just saying, oh, I didn't even realize that I was upset, and now I'm I, I'm I'm understanding it because I've been paying attention to how I've reacted to spaces. It's, I may have shared this before, so forgive me, but I, I just have tried to take up in this uh, year a, a practice of listening to my body and how it reacts to certain spaces. You know, so if I let's say uh, you and I uh, meet in person. I really want to pay attention to like, how am I reacting? Am I just kind of like tensing up or am I like relaxed? Like, oh, there goes Karen. Like it's really an important thing uh, to pay attention to because 
if you're doing that well, you'll then be able to sort of pick up and be able to do what I'm just going to coin now as a stress audit, right? So if you're like, I don't know if, why, why I'm stressed, but you're like, oh, I go to this particular place. So every time I go to my, my job, I'm like grinding my teeth, like, like the Sunday night before I have to go to work. The, all the different ways in which stress can sort of manifest itself in the body and in our actions and in our habits. So it's really incumbent upon us to pay attention and really build that sort of confidence in paying attention to not only our body, but also our mental health. I love that you simplify it by that because at, we're so emotional, energetic human beings. Like mm-hmm. we react before we think. Yeah. And everything you do, whether it's meeting with someone, getting a cup of coffee, because that's on the top of my mind, you yeah. literally are either like you feel lighter and excited or it's like heavy and I don't want to do oh, that. Come on. Yeah, yeah, of course. So just paying attention to does this feel good or does this not feel good? Yeah. And then that'll help like lean you into where you need to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I have found that also helps is that especially in difficult seasons in life, taking the time to give yourself some physical activity and making that a regular part of your life, it's almost as if that kind of like good stress or you stress helps to sort of combat the like distress that you have. So if you're feeling really uh, worried about, you know, your money, you're worried about your job, worried about your kids or whatever, whatever the, the stress or worried about your own health. What does it look like for you to go for a walk or do something vigorous with it if you can? You know, and, and I think for us in the autoimmune community, like when I uh, was uh, diagnosed with lupus, I realized I couldn't play basketball more than once a week, right? Which is heartbreaking when I used to play basketball every day. But I got used to it now and I'm older now. I'm like, once a month, you know? <laughs> so, so, so just finding ways to um, allow yourself a good, like, you know, oof, I worked that off. I feel great. Or like, if you can lift weights, do that. If you can box, do that. Something that's like invigorating. If you can rock climb, do that, you know, but, but it can be something where, you know, if you're, if you have less mobility, video games, it can be something where you're playing like an online game, you know, something that allows you to feel like, like you're working yourself up without, you know, having to pay the consequence of messing up your joints or, 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 or sending yourself into a flare. I think we need that kind of good rush to help us combat all those like negative feelings that distress can cause. I will tell you, I feel like a different person after I exercise and or get outside, even if it's five, 10 minutes, it's like the fresh air is, especially when we work from home right inside a lot. Well, if you don't have an outdoor job, it's like, you're just inside a lot. And it's like that little bit of fresh air and sunshine if it is um just can make you feel like a different person no question no question and i do know there's a bunch of brain science about how both (laughs) being outside and exercise just helps stress in general right 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 but for me, it's just an obvious mood changer. Yeah. So much so that my husband had before he'd be like, I need to ask her this question, but like I'd be like stressed and working. He was yeah, like, yeah. wait till after she works out and then I'll Isn't that something? Yeah. <laughs> Wise man. <laughs> he picked up on it. Yeah. He's like, what? 
I'll finish that run and I'll, then we'll talk about this. <laughs> Something to be said about just working it out. It's so real. It's so real. Yeah, I, I, I and you've probably experienced this too. Once you get into the rhythm of working out regularly, your body starts to crave it. Like you really, yeah. you need to. Like I, I don't sleep that well if I haven't worked out, you know? Yeah. I can just tell like I get less patience, more irritable. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And especially it's funny, it'll hit because I'm more like midday early um, workout, but it'll hit like evening dinner time. And if yeah. I haven't worked out, I can tell I'm just crabbier. Yeah, yeah, sure, like, sure. Like, what's going on with me? Oh, I didn't get a workout in. Right, right. Like, I'm not in a good mood right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so real. It's so real. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I think. Um, what we're talking about at its core is making sure that we prioritize, um, really getting a good sense of what's most important to us and, and focusing on those things. And I would hope that what's most important to you at the top of that list are the things that may not seem most important within the culture, but when you really strip it all down, are most important, right? Like, like your family, your friends, your health, your peace of mind. Right. Like you want to do your work really well. You want to be an excellent employee or employer, your business owner, freelancer, whatever you're doing. But you can't do those things well if you're not taking care of yourself. And so really understanding in the same way that some people might, I don't know, skip meals or something or or, or, or not take care of the, the, the hygiene or whatever the situation. I got to run to work. No, if you're taking care of yourself, I really believe that the work will, will, will be beautiful as a result of it. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you're burning the candle at every end. And as much as you may think you're doing great work, you're not doing your best work. And, and I think you have to put yourself in a position to succeed. I love that. And as you explain that and circling back to how we've talked about how important it is to set a morning ritual and make sure you are putting yourself first, it makes me think about how our prior our days should align with our priorities. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, we are number one because so that we can be number one in our best selves and do our best work for others. So that in itself, you should start with yourself. That morning time, mm-hmm. you should be first thing, yeah. and then typically it's followed by your family. How yeah. are you know, how are you supporting them for the day? Um, my husband was traveling this week and there was one night. So I tend to run around a little bit more when he's gone just because I'm single parenting it. But I was putting away laundry or whatever. And my oldest was like, can you come read with me? Yeah. like, oh, I just, I just want to put this laundry away. Like I got to get it done. And then in my head, I was like, well, my number one priority is making sure that they are growing to be beautiful human beings stopped the laundry and went and read with them but making sure like it may seem obvious yeah my family's number one but when you write about it or are intentional about it it really helps alleviate the stress of the day-to-day because it makes those smaller decisions that much easier in the moment Uh yeah that's that's it That's, that's really really it just allowing yourself to sort of um think about it that way because I, I especially when it comes to and I understand not everyone has kids but I, I think about you know we only get so many moments with our kids while they're still like young like this right and you know and it's 
you know, when your kid's 16, they're not gonna be like, can you come read to me? Like, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> so, so just thinking about, you know, being present in that way and for things that, like, actually matter. You know, it just feels like, and I do believe that this connects to stress and the fact that I, I believe that stress gives us so much disinformation and messes up those priorities that you just shared. So the thing that may not be that big a deal, stress makes it feel like it's the number one top priority in your life. And it's only through the passage of time and the resolving of situations that you realize, I was tripping about that. Like, that's not that bad. And it distracts us from so many things that are actually really critical, you know? Um, and in that ironically creates more stress. So if we're able to really keep our, our priorities um, intact and, and hold on to our decision-making, we feel our decision-making fading, just allow ourselves to rest and recharge, right? Go for that run, play that basketball, whatever you need to do, lift, lift those weights, and then get back to it rather than just allowing ourselves to just, you know, run on fumes and wait and, and not uh, do anything until like the check engine light comes on. We can't continue to live that way. It's just not healthy for anyone. You and I, we had gone through tough situations mm -hmm. and took a step back from our careers. Uh, maybe not. It just looked different during yeah. time. Yeah, it felt that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I will say for those people who are, because I was like this, I felt like I was running ragged and I I couldn't figure out, I couldn't build in those breaks. I couldn't find the space. And if you're at that point where you are so tapped out and overwhelmed that you can't even like begin to fathom how to take a five, 10 minute break, right? I would encourage you to figure out how to whether it's take a step back from your career or some activities, there's a lot of resources. I even, I went on disability for a few weeks while I got on. my stuff under control and it's okay to take that time to get to a place where you can manage life because it shouldn't be this running ragged on a treadmill, just trying to keep your head above water. There are ways and resources to be able to do that. And honestly, if, if you're struggling with it, like drop me a note, I'm happy to help like, right. figure it out. But you really need to make sure that you are setting up your daily life and routine so that it can support a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, it's, it's correct. What you're talking about is just critical. And, and part of it is asking for help yeah. um, because the, the, the receiving of help helps to alleviate the pressure that's causing the stress, right? And there's a lot, I think, particularly when you're a high-achieving person, you are successful with whatever way success looks like to you, asking for help, especially to the degree of, you know, government help or, or, or you know, having to ask your friends if you have to do, like, GoFundMe, like, you know, like my friends and family did for me, it, it in the best sense of this word can be humiliating right like in the sense of you know i am used to helping people i am not used to or comfortable with receiving help but if you let your pride stop you from receiving the help from people who care about you people who love you or you know if it's government money your, your tax money that you know you deserve to get back we we, we <laughs> i mean come on 
Right, something it's gotta go somewhere. <laughs> We're doing ourselves a disservice needlessly, right? Like just allowing ourselves to not have to be the hero in the story all the time. But understand there's times where in the same way that we helped people, we need help. It's okay. It doesn't mean anything less about who you are. It's really just all of this, we live in so many different seasons in our lives. And I think there are seasons where getting better, and I think about this, how there was a season in life where I did not think I would be able to stand up in front of a classroom or speak in front of a room ever again. I, Because every time I tried to stand up, it wouldn't be 90 seconds before I just felt weak or dizzy. Right. And now I'm able to, to talk this year was was blessed to give a TED talk. I just never thought that would have happened. So think about all the things that feel impossible in this moment. Some of them will be realized at a later moment in your life. And this is a fun exercise I, I started uh, doing in my own life and I, and I encourage everyone to try. I encourage you to go back to a space where you once were, right? So it could be visiting your old college, visiting your hometown, anywhere. It doesn't matter, wherever it applies for you. And I want you to do this. I want you to walk in the same place where you once walked or drive in the same place where you once drive or drove. <laughs> and English teacher. And <laughs> I want you to think about what were you thinking about when you last were there? Like what were some of the stresses in that space? that now aren't stressful for you at all. I want you to think about the things that you're living in right now that you wouldn't have dreamed were possible at that point. So it may be you're walking down a street where you, at one point in your life, you're like, I can't walk a block down this place. Or you're driving down a street where you're like, I was so afraid to get behind the wheel because I thought that whether the medicine I'm on or just my health wasn't going to allow me to drive again, right? Or, or you're just awake and you're like, I couldn't stay awake for more than five minutes because of the medicine I was on. Whatever, whatever it is, like we all have different journeys. But I want us to realize that there are things that we're going through now that one day won't be a problem for us. And there are things that we're going to experience that are going to be so great that we couldn't have imagined it being possible right now. And I think if we do that exercise regularly, the gratitude will start to outweigh the stress. The anticipation and the hope will start to outweigh the stress and anxiety. I really think it's a healthy practice to just remember that stress and anxiety, they talk a good game, but they're not the biggest things in life. They're, they're, not, they're, not the, they're not fully in control of your life. So just remembering that can give you the confidence to, to take the next step, you know? love that because we talk a lot about gratitude and being thankful as part of your mental health and full journey mm. but it, that can be hard especially during those dark times and that action or activity that you're talking about I think that gives people a way to go ahead and think through where you've been and it'll help see where the possibility because mm -hmm. you couldn't imagined yourself where you'd be at and no there's such hope in that like that's right. so it's a beautiful thing it truly is a beautiful thing so yeah just giving yourself that sort of space to say you know what 
no matter how bad it is, this too shall pass. And that's a good space. Yeah. All right, Chris. So we are, I think, two, two and a half weeks out, maybe three from Christmas. Yeah, that's about, that's about yeah. Yeah, holiday season. Yeah, yeah. People are stressed. Yeah. What do you tell them? Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, yeah, breathe. You know, if they, if they live in a place that has, like, cold air, get some of that crisp air in your lungs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I know there's no doubt holidays are stressors, right? Whether it's I want to get presents for people or uh, and I can't or I don't know what to get this person because they never appreciate anything or the in-laws are coming or there's other, other situations. So much is going on. We can fill the whole hour with it. I really want everyone to take each day on as its own thing, right? Like, don't let the holiday season just gang up on you, like all 12 days of Christmas. Don't let them all beat you up at the same time, right? Like, that's not healthy for you. Or eight days of Hanukkah, don't do that to yourself. Um, yeah. I, I want us to take each day on its own and think about what's going on today, right? So it may be I have to get uh, – such and such a present, or I have to pick so and so from up up from the airport. Whatever it is, I think okay, that's what I'm focusing on for today. Because the beautiful thing, I just had this uh this month with a meeting that was ooh, I don't know how this meeting is gonna go. And I got through the meeting, I was like, well, on the other side of that meeting, I was kind of nervous about. So what does it look like for you to allow yourself the reward of getting on the other side of each individual problem rather than taking all the problems and making them some sort of unholy transformer that's just menacing you and terrorizing you? No, no, no. Just take each individual thing um, because, and I'll, I'll stop after this, but it's just remembering that the only way to eat a whale is like one bite at a time, right? You can't just eat a whale in, in one whole bite. I don't know if whales are in danger, so my apologies about the eat the whale thing. Like, would um, you go? I, I, I would never eat a whale, but it's just a good expression. <laughs> you can't you can't eat a whole field of potatoes in one bite. Okay, that's a little bit better. <laughs> but you said it right. If you take away one, just that one bite, one step at a time. Yeah. And- It'll fall into place. Oh, 100%. That's it. That's it. Just just be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Be kind and take care. Thank you, Chris. As always, this was such an engaging conversation. I always appreciate you. Oh, likewise. I appreciate you too. And thank you so much for, for, for uh, pulling this conversation together. I think it's just a real, real important thing. Um, and always, if you all who are listening... Um, as Karen extended earlier, if you're like, ah, I still need help, please let us know how we can help. Share in the comments what you're working on. Uh, let us know how we can help you. It's, a, it's such a joy to be able to do this work with Invigorate and to hear from you all and to know exactly what's going on. It, it just means a lot to us. So thank you. Thank you. And don't forget to subscribe and share with um, autoimmune community and friends and family. We're stronger and better together. So take care of Mm -hmm. yourself. Absolutely.